Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest in Mr. Craig Schneider. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a favor. Would you please leave the show a five-star review uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that five-star review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Craig Schneider is the managing partner at Rise Communities, and Rise focuses on value-add opportunities in the mobile home park, RV park, and multifamily real estate space. Their team focuses on revitalizing underperforming assets and partnering with local leaders and communities to improve neighborhoods throughout the country. Craig, we are excited to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Definitely. Can you start out by telling our listeners a little about your story and how you got into manufactured housing communities? So my background is actually in uh, forensic auditing. I have an accounting degree. I found out that quickly that I didn't have any interest in a desk job. So I uh, started learning more about the real estate industry, worked for an appraiser for a few years, got into property management, and then started doing value-add single-family flips, transferred to apartment buildings, and then started seeing all over the place the need for affordable housing. And when I first encountered manufactured housing, I said, this is actually a very affordable and great way to live. So we've been doing that for a few years. I love that. So uh, accounting degree, and I think the, the, the most interesting piece is you worked for an appraiser for a few years. Maybe you can shed a little bit of light on that and like how you maybe value the properties, how, how you use that in your business today, because that's, that's an interesting deal. You know, I, I have an ongoing joke with a friend of mine. Uh, we say, hey, you know, in commercial real estate, it's amazing how appraisers always come back at the exact price that, you know, is on the contract when you're acquiring a property. So maybe you can just share like the, you know, what you're using from that time in your business today. It's valuing property and looking at it from a different, all different angles. You know, you may look at a property one way and I may look at it another way. That's why property sell for a price you may not like, or I may like also stories behind why people will pay more for a property than an appraiser may even think is accurate. You know, if you got a 1031 exchange, you have to deploy capital, then you may have to overpay a little bit for a property, or you'll see a property come down in price while it's in contract at A, but it's sold for a lot less because we don't see the due diligence that happen behind the scenes. But the appraiser sees all that information and they take that into account as well as I look at other economic factors in the area, not just income and expense. So that's that always helped me as well with my accounting degree. Very nice. Okay. Thank you for sharing. Let's jump right in, man. What do you think is the toughest hurdle to overcome in mobile home park investing and, and ownership? Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand the asset class. It's a little bit different than apartments. You may have, you know, a five-story building with, you know, 20 units on each floor. Uh, it's individual homes is pretty much what it is. It's the tiny home that everyone's trying to develop for affordable housing. 
So I don't think people understand that. I don't think people understand the way they're constructed. It's a little bit of a different kind of repair. They shift over time. Setting pads up is a different animal than doing a foundation for a house. So those are things that people have to learn as they're getting into the business. And that's why you really need a strong team around you. Definitely. So what's the toughest hurdle, would you say? If you had to just like what the one the toughest hurdle is it's managing people managing in, in any people. business, right? It's it's also from contractors to due diligence to talking with attorneys to financing. You got to be able to talk to different people and manage them, all different kinds of people from all different walks of life. That's really what it comes down to. Because you may buy a park from a mom and pop versus, you know, a big brokerage house. You know, you're managing and talking and communicating with those individuals. You got to have a different mindset. Definitely. Maybe you can share your little, your story. Like when did you buy your first mobile home community, Craig? So it took us uh, many years to find our first one. We had a lot of people telling us, go back to apartments, go back to apartments, You're spending too much time on this. And then in 2019, we finally hit our first one. Uh, it took us about two years since we first saw it to actually close on it. And that's really been our story is we look at every property we've owned. It takes at least 12 to 24 months before we could actually contract and close. And uh, now we have, uh, you know, 10 properties, you know, in, in Northeast Florida. Tell me about that 12 to 24 months to close it. Why is that? What, you know, what, what transpired? Because that seems so long. We try to, it, it is long. So we try to build relationships with the sellers. And that's usually a long-term process. Sellers don't want to get a phone call. Hey, you want to sell your property? So we don't do that. We try to build relationships so people know who we are. People in the community now know who we are as well. So we'll get introduced to someone and then we'll reach out to them, you know, five, six, seven times a year. We'll be in the area. We'll stop by and say hello. And then all of a sudden they'll say, you know, I'm, I'm, now I'm thinking about maybe it's time to move on or I found another asset that I really need capital for. And that relationship takes time to grow. And that's how you get building a relationship. And then all of a sudden that person knew someone else who has a property that they may be interested in selling. So that's why it takes 12 to 24 months for us to find the property and then to purchase it. Uh, the first one, obviously, once we were in contract, had a, uh, a, lot, of, a lot of issues that came up uh, over time. Uh, and you know, due diligence can't be rushed. You know, it's just a different kind of animal, each of these individual homes, plumbing, the electric on them. Um, so there's a lot of different, uh, anim different aspects that go into these properties. Definitely. So 2019 was your first park. And I think, you know, before we re were recording, you said you're, you're up to 350 lots now. Yes. And those are all in Northeast Florida. Correct. Okay. So you probably have a, a specified area, you know, around Northeast Florida that you're targeting, and there's only a certain number of mobile home parks there. And that's your that's your uh, your target market that you're focusing on purchasing. Is that right? You're very geographically located, centered. For right there, we we have our own management team, own maintenance team, mm. so it gives us a little bit more strength. But, but we are looking uh, in other parts of the country, other parts of the South Texas as well for larger properties. Uh, you know, and versus let's just say accumulating a whole bunch of you know 30, 40, 50 units. 
properties. Gotcha. Yeah. How many, how many lots was that first park and, and maybe share a little bit about the portfolio and the other parks you guys have. So that first park was uh, originally we were told it was 32. We found out actually it was 38. So that particular one um, was actually sandwiched in between two other larger uh, prop, larger mobile home parks. And uh, we didn't originally have access to all the records from the old owner. Uh, all of a sudden, we started seeing a lot of discrepancies between, uh, you know, the leases, rent collected, rent paid. So that's one of the reasons that one took a long time. But once you get the first one going, we, we look at it like it's like a, a rusty wheel. It takes some time to get the oil and lube. And then we started with another property that we got connected with through a, a, re, a mobile home retail connector uh, sales. And that one was a family, it's been their family forever. And, you know, that was actually looked at it, met with them. And it took a long time to close that deal, but they were finally ready to retire and didn't want the headache. So we were able to transition that one. And our second to last one is, is a really nice park. It's uh, 93 spaces and it's actually very unique where each of the lots is direct connect to city water and city sewer so you know a lot of these parks is one line that comes in and then it's a landlord's responsibility but this particular one individual meters which is really awesome and lots they're about 50 by 100 each so people come in they're like wow this is not my anticipated mobile home park uh, now our last one we got we worked on for uh, probably 18 months where the guy wanted to sell, didn't want to sell. And then he said, well, my daughter's getting married. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And um, he had other people that always jerk him around. And we always say, look, if we're going to do the deal, we're ready to go. You know, we're, we're, we're always produce and perform, which also has helped us out over the years, you know? So that was our last one that we purchased. Wow. So 350 lots across four parks. Is that right? Uh, well, we actually have of those as uh, eight of those parks about 350. Yes. Eight. Okay. Very nice. You mentioned something a little earlier about having your own maintenance team. So yes. I'm guessing that you're a fan of the park owned home model. Is that yes. right? Yes. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that and how you, how you chose that model versus the tenant owned home model. That was kind of chosen for us with the, uh, a lot of the homes that we do have in these properties. Uh, but the way we look at it is there's a lot of rent that gets lost between having a tenant-owned home versus a park-owned home. And we're like, well, if we have all these parks in one area, it's easier for us to maintain and take care of them. Now, if you said, Craig, I want to sell you a park in you know, Columbus, Ohio, I'm going to say, okay, it's got to be 150. And I would want tenant-owned homes, not park-owned homes, obviously. But because we have so much in one geographic area, uh, we have the ability to have a full-time construction crew and we have a full-time maintenance crew. Uh, so if you don't have to be renovated, we just send our guys in, they know what to do, the turnover's quick, and it gets back, back on the market. So the way we look at it, it is, okay, well, if I can get, you know, 600 for lot rent or 1,000 to 1,200 for lot and home rent, you know, the $600 a month, is it really costing us the $600 a month additional to rent a home out? And with having our own in-house staff, 
we feel as though that we actually make more profit on being able to rent those out. Okay. So in your 350 lots, how many are, are park-owned, homed? Park -owned? I would say 90%. 90%. Wow. Yep. And you said, how much do you get for a park-owned home, like as a street rental? Uh, it depends on the area and the size. We have some small two ones, you know, that'll be 850. And we have some 1,600 square foot double wides uh, that run some of these parks. You know, you'll get 1,350, you know, for some of those. So they range wow. all in between and a location. Sure, sure. Wow. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting model. I know Chris Rude, he loves that same exact model where you're able to just rent these things for such a, a higher amount. You know, my friendly uh, debate, because uh, I prefer tenant-owned homes. Yes. But, you know, as a friendly debate for me is, you know, I think the tenant-owned homes, they're going to take care of the homes more. Personally, you know, like you, you mentioned earlier that like, you know how mobile homes are constructed, right? And I think that's key. And I do as well. And they're not constructed very durable, right? They're not constructed Correct. as well as a, you know, a typical block home would be or, or even a stick built home. So mm -hmm. I'm, you know, the drywall's thinner, the doors are different sizes, the windows are different sizes, you got to custom order them from across the country. So I'm just wondering, like, what is a typical expense ratio on one of your projects? So it depends on the age of the home. So we have, since we have so many homes, we bulk have material that we store. So if I'm renovating a home, we have a lot of it all ready to go. You know, what we have basically 20 sets of appliances that are ready to go. So if I have to put an appliance in, they could just go take it, you know, clock it out and move it to a, a location. You're making me sweat a little bit. Oh, you just said you got appliances. So you're like, you're, if someone says, oh, my, my, you know, my oven isn't working, my stove isn't working, you're in charge of repairing that and everything from the appliances all through everything. So one of the things we also do is in a lease, we have a tenant sign it. And when they sign a lease, they go through and they checklist the property and everything is working. And in our lease, it's very specific. If it doesn't work uh, as a result of negligence, we do not replace it. And then you're on your own. And we have tenants who have replaced their own appliances uh if it's something that the stove just went you know we always replace it but that's why we have a maintenance crew that yeah. handles all those issues i think it, um, it definitely helps to be so geographically you know close to another because then you know you're gonna just be able to have that team but but yeah yes. i'm sure how many maintenance requests do you get a month just on average yeah it, it really ranges you know we'll go two or three days with none and then um yesterday we had five <laughs> it all depends on the actual, sure. it's just so random, who knows, but we, we're very lucky to have a maintenance crew to handle that. Uh, plus, when we renovate the homes, you know, we do it a certain way to make it better. Like, you know, we always do overhangs. So the water is always, as you know, a big issue in mobile homes. Mm. So we always make sure we have all the overhangs, the caulking's all done throughout to make it really strong. We reinforce the floor uh, uh, in all of these. And, you know, those kind of things are very preventative maintenance, which keeps the place clean and neat. Uh, but also, we're very lucky because we're in one location, mainly, that we get a lot of referrals for rentals. So we have people saying, you know, I live at one unit, my friend's looking for something else. So to have that referral basis also helps us with the renting. Uh, then we also do background checks on the tenants before we take them. We're very strict on, you know, backgrounds that we require for someone to move in 
And that also helps us have better tenants. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of ways to make money in manufactured housing and a ton of different ways to do it. So that's that's pretty cool. You have a you have a good model. Uh, I would recommend it, it for someone who has, uh, let's say, a 12 unit in one spot and a 12 unit then in a different part of a state. Then I, I absolutely wouldn't do it. Uh, I think it only works if you're going to have a, a, a strong proximity. area and one has to be in yeah. one area. Yeah. And you have to have your own team. If you have to sub out work, you're done. And that's the so other thing is like, you know, the type of work, right? The maintenance crew guys, that team, you know, in my experience, when I've been doing big value add projects, we're rehabbing 12 homes at once, you know, that, that there's a lot of churn, right? In that type of client, that type of, you know, handyman person you know, they, they seem to, you, you churn through a lot. So it's, I applaud you for being able to do it, but you know, it's just, it has to be tough to keep up with it in my experience. It's hard, but we, we take care of, we work as a team. You know, the way we look at it is we all have to work together mm-hmm. and we tell the guys who are doing the maintenance, what could we do to make life easier for you? And we've been very lucky uh, people wanting to come work and, with us and continue to work with us because they see we, we take care of everybody. And there's a goal together, which is we all go together. We want everyone who works for us actually have someone underneath them and to oversee them and be responsible for them. And that's been very helpful for us. That's awesome. How has your mobile home park investing strategy changed over your time in the business, if, if it has at all? Well, we're, 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 we're starting to the process right now where we are looking for a larger mobile home parks as well. Um, so that's what we're up with right now is why is that? Because it's just easier to finance uh, from a bank's perspective. And that's one of the things that obviously we're trying to accomplish is have a long-term relationship with banks. And Let's if talk we do about, venture, yeah. Sorry, you just brought up a good okay. point. You know, the park-owned home model versus the tenant-owned home model when you're financing these things. You know, from my experience, the the top lenders, the agency, the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. They prefer the tenant-owned homes, you know, model, and they prefer less than I think it's twenty-five percent park-owned homes. So, you know, are you able to get non-recourse on the loans you're you're putting on your properties? No. So it's we we guarantee the loans, but we're very comfortable with that because you know if you have you know, thirty homes times six hundred dollars additional rent, you know, you have a lot of cushion in the homes. So that's really been very helpful. And also being in Northeast Florida, we know a lot of what's going on with a lot of positives going on in the area, companies relocating. You know, we will get, if we put one ad out, you know, we'll get eight to 10 people reach out a day for one mobile home. Uh, of that, I would say 50% are from out of town relocating for work. Wow. So, you know, so we do feel comfortable with taking on that particular risk. Uh, but if you, if you, one of the things with financing, people get turned off very easily. But uh, one of the things we do is we're constantly calling banks, constantly trying to build relationships. And we've been very lucky with that. And we've, we've been able to refinance all the ones that we've completed already. That's fantastic. Uh, kudos to you for that. Yeah, I just, I, you know, we, we own, it's more spread out across mainly the Midwest. But, you know, one of our goals is to get it refinanced into agency debt, you know, where you're getting that long-term 10, 10 plus year fixed rate, you know, lower rates, non-recourse obviously is a big, you know, a big benefit. Um, but yeah, you know, 
there's there's definitely some some of those regional lenders that are still offering really good terms. Those credit union types, they just require that guarantee. Um, yeah. But that's good. What do you what do you feel is the best opportunity or strategy right now for mobile home park investing? You know, given where we're at in the cycle. I think that I think this is such a, a an asset class that still has so much potential to it. You know, mm -hmm. we used to invest in New York from New York originally, right? And you know, I talked to people up there, and they used to like mobile home parks. What are you talking about? And then a few people saw that, and they're like, "Oh, how do I invest?" There's so many people who just don't understand the asset class. And I tell them, I said, you know, I'd rather live in a mobile home park where I could pull my car right up to the door. I could my groceries in. If you have kids, you have to carry all the kids stuff in and out versus, you know, I used to live in Queens and, in, in in, you know, in, in the city and I have to find a spot. Hopefully the snow's not there, carry multiple trips of stuff up and down. And there's nowhere to go here. It just, I think it's a better lifestyle. So I think more people are going to learn and more people are going to experience it. And I, I think it's going to continue to grow. I mean, we definitely get more of a demand for the mobile homes and the apartments that we have, especially if you have a noisy neighbor, then people get oh. really turned off from apartments. Yeah, or someone above you, you know, that's making a lot of yes. noise or you name it. They have a dog and you're hearing the footsteps, yes. you know, all, all night and early mornings. Yeah, I've been there in that situation. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's it's a way better way to live. You know, it's, it's the American dream, right? You, you have, you have your own space, you have your own, you know, little yard area and everything. So let me yeah. ask you this, Craig, what mistakes in mobile home park investing have you made that, you know, our listeners could learn from and me, I'll learn from you. Well, I, I've made a lot. Uh, we constantly make them pretty much every day. <laughs> uh, you took a learn from them, right? So I think the biggest mistake was one is many, First off, we should have went bigger, um, one. Two, we should have probably bought every property, obviously, two years ago that <laughs> came across our plates. So that was another issue. But I'd say that the, the biggest the, the biggest mistake is we turn, we we talked ourselves out of some deals because there's a lot of hair on them. Uh, you know, we had some opportunities to purchase some properties and these homes were extremely rough. We didn't know what we were doing. And some of them, like the roofs caved in, they're garbage. I mean, I had to be just, take it off the lot. And we're like, well, I don't know if we should do it. We don't know the the, the avenue. And, you know, I'll say when I first, first got into real estate, someone told me, stop, keep, you can read so much, so much podcasting, do it. And as soon as we bought our first mobile home, we sat back and said, wow, we should have bought the other ones. That was a mistake that we made, just being a little too hesitant. And sometimes you just got to jump in and do it, especially if you feel you know, very strong about an area and about the demographics of an area. So I would say the biggest mistake is we we're too hesitant uh, about doing certain deals and especially big enough deals. So we definitely know that that won't happen again. How did you get educated on the space, Craig? You mentioned podcasts, you know, what other avenues did you, did you use to kind of learn about this and the differences? Because I know you got into apartments before, right? And then you moved yes. into this? Uh, so podcast we always I'm always trying to learn and listen from all different backgrounds of people try to learn from everybody everybody's got a story and how they got to like how you and I got to sitting right here right now it's amazing so that's what I try to do is I try to learn and listen from everybody uh podcast I always are reading books uh you know my business partner will tell you I'll talk to everybody and anybody I'm getting guests I talk to the guy behind the counter uh you know we 
my attorney said to me, I know, I know you're going to ask anyone selling. And that's how you start learning about different asset classes, because someone may say, oh, I don't do that. I do this. And that's how I started getting into mobile home parks. Someone's like, well, I hear about these mobile home parks and I don't know anything about it. But the first thing I did, I went on podcasts, I go online and Googled it. And I started talking to people and that's how you deal with it. Just talk to everybody because there's always somebody and everybody wants to tell you their story. So that's, that's the best, that's the best advice I always tell people. Talk to everybody, no matter what you want to do, laundromat, want to be an accountant, go talk to them. They'll tell you the, the true story. That's great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. If you were a passive investor and you were looking for, you know, a, a way to put some money to work, what would you say is like the most important things that, that a passive investor needs to look out for when investing into mobile home parks or a mobile home park deal with another operator? I think they need to see the experience that this person has in the industry. Because like you said, the financing is much more difficult than a, an apartment building. Yes, as a history of what they've accomplished is probably the most important thing. You know, having some sort of construction knowledge, not just relying on subs. You rely on subs, you're going to get taken, you know, and just part of it. Because unfortunately for the sub, they'll open up walls and not experience or expect what's behind there. And they have a lot of change orders. So to me, it's, it's track record is the biggest issue. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. What would be your number two? I would probably also say demographic they're investing in, like location they're investing in. You know, um, and you and I have spoke about how the uh, population in this country is changing and where they're going. So if they're investing in areas with very strong rent regulation and difficulty for evictions, that tells me it's not a, not a person I would want to invest in. I'd want to invest in someone where the population's going, the job's going, and they should be able to tell me and educate me on why they're investing in this location versus that location without hesitating. So That's good. I mean, the first two were so good. Do you have a third? I'm going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes and why, Craig? I would say the perfect mobile home park, there, there isn't one. Again, like you said, you like one, I like another one. Depends on the location. Uh, the perfect mobile home park to me, it's the utilities setup has to be bulletproof because you have all these tenants that want to put laundry and then they put the clothing down or they the grease goes down. But to me, I, I can't stress enough the utilities. You know, and I tell people at that park that we spoke about earlier that has separate utilities for each unit. And I can't tell you how grateful we are to have a park like that. Yeah. And I wish there was a way to have every park like that. So because once you have that, you could work around anything else. You could you could bring in new homes. You could repair homes. You know, you could change the tenant base. But the changing the utilities is such a large expense that it's very difficult to do. So to me, that's one of them. And also the location of the park. You know, I, I get a lot of parks put in front of me. And I look at the demographics and I see declining population. I don't see any jobs there. And those are two things that are very difficult. So to me, the perfect park has to start with strong utilities and strong demographics. Yep, those are great. How big would it be? I know go bigger faster is one I, I wrote yes. down on my notepad here. Yes. Well, for for first person starting out, I would say it depends on on, on their bandwidth, financial time frame. If I was a single person putting some money in and I was local to a 20-unit park, I wouldn't be afraid of it. I would jump at it, even a five-unit park. But for someone like uh, what we're looking for right now is, is, you know, 100, 150 up, 
trying to work on a 300 space park right now, uh, but wow. that's what we're, we're trying to do. Very cool. What does the future of mobile home park investing look like? And how do you see mobile home parks fitting in with, you know, the direction the economy is going? It's 2023. Everybody mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, mentioning this buzzword of a recession. Uh, interest rates are, are, are you know, high. They, you know, there's, there's, there's obviously the feds saying they're going to keep going up. So how do you think mobile home parks fits into all that? I think it's going to keep expanding. I think people are going to start to say, you still have the people, it depends on your location in the country. You still have a lot of people fleeing, you know, the northern part of the country, the cold weather, the high taxed areas. And a lot of those people, you know, maybe don't want to own a home or can't afford a home. And now they could go either rent a mobile home from someone like myself, or if they do want to own, to go buy a home for $150,000 hundred thousand dollars whatever it is versus going to buy a stick built home for 250 to 350 it's a very affordable option and you know i've been in this industry long enough that you know six seven percent rates still aren't you know what they used to be people forget what rates used to be at one point so i also think that people uh, you know a lot of the apartment buildings we had in new york you know it's you know they look at these rents and they're like, well, I can't afford them because you have a lot of multi-generational people living in those units. But they start seeing what's going on in other parts of the country, you know, the Carolinas, the Tennessees, the Georgias, the Floridas, obviously. And instead of having to live with three or four generations, their family, their main family could live in their own unit. Uh, and a mobile home park gives a family the benefit of having the parents living in one part of the park, uh, one of the brothers living in another part, and another family living in another part of the park. So you still get to live close knit as a family, but you get to have your own roof and your own space, which is what that offers, I would say, compared to, you know, buying a home, uh, which I think as rates go up, like you said, with the recession coming, people may be more hesitant, but buying a mobile home, not going to be as affected, I don't, I don't think, as, uh, you know, if you go to buy a three, $400,000 house. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I think there's this movement of, uh, you know, lifestyle too. You know, people people would prefer to have. You know, think of that. If you're going to take on a mortgage for hundred and fifty thousand dollar house or or higher, uh, versus you know paying three hundred bucks a month and and you know live you know paying lot rent and living in a mobile home, I mean, it's just it's just a no brainer. You know, you're going to be able to have so much more freedom and and you're not going to be you know, chained to a job that you have to go to to pay for that house that, you know, really you bought to keep up with the Joneses, right? I think there's the millennial generation, you know, I think is more aware of that trade-off and they're, they're open to, you know, lower, uh, lower cost housing. So I think it'll be interesting. It's also easier to sell something that costs less, right? There's more buyers yeah. for it. So if you bought the mobile home and you're paying it off, and let's just say you want to relocate, you want to change, whatever your story is for you to, to transfer that, so sell that to someone else, it's easier for someone else to take on, you know? That's why I look at it as a positive. Yeah, and you look at these 30-year mortgages, right? And like, mm -hmm. I think I read something the other day, the average person moves like every five to seven years, something like that. So mm -hmm. like you're paying all interest the first, yes. you know, five to seven years of a, of a 30 year mortgage, right? So you're paying all this interest and then you're moving and you need a bigger house because you had kids or, you know, whatever the case is, and it gets really expensive. 
And it, it's Absolutely. not really helping the, the American people because of that amortization schedule. It's actually hurting them if they're moving that often. And yeah, with home appreciation, you know, the last 20 years, it's been great. Everybody's won. But, you know, I don't think we can bet on that the next, you know, five to 10. We'll see what happens. Um, it's also quality of life. You know, and I see in these parks that we have, a lot of these people become, become like a very, like a neighborhood. You know, I see one person will pick up, you know, five kids at the bus stop and then walk them back to their mobile home. You know, so, you know, you have this, you have that neighborhood, which is great, but you don't have the annoyances of an apartment building where you're like, oh, the, the baby's crying again, the dog's running around. So you have that neighborhood feel with some separation. And I think that lifestyle is just, you can't match it right now. I agree, man. Well, hey, Craig, it was awesome having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Anytime. If any of our listeners would like to get a hold of you, what would be the best way for them to do so? You could uh, email me at Craig, C-R-A-I-G, at rise, R-Y-V-E, communities.com, or I'm on LinkedIn. So either way works. Awesome. And we'll put that, that in the show notes as well, Craig. But thanks again for coming on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Talk to you soon. Be well. That's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021. And it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.